Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. You're listening to Eagles Unfiltered. B-A-T-L-E-S, Eagles! This podcast is powered by Eagle Maven of Sports Illustrated. Third down and one. I did it with Hurts, heaping, first down, and a touchdown. Here are your hosts, Ed Kraz and Connor Miles. Thank you once again for tuning in to another episode of Eagles Unfiltered, powered by Believe Podcast Network and sponsored by BetOnline.ag, the best sports betting website around. Remember, the NFL season's rolling around. We're heading into week five now. It's time to make some money. Use your promo code Believe B-L-E-A-V, to get 50% off matching on your initial deposit on BetOnline.ag and BetterHelp.com. What better place to get, uh, excuse me, what better place to sort out your mental health than BetterHelp.com? Choose between a wide variety of therapists, or you can switch between the one that you have to another one at your choosing. BetterHelp.com slash Eagles, E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles, for 10% off your first month. BetterHelp.com. Co-host Connor Miles, my co-host Ed Kras, as always. Ed, what a hell of a game yesterday, man. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, just like we all expected. Hey, look, I knew it was going to be a close game. I mean, it, you know, Washington couldn't play any worse than they did against Buffalo. It was an AFC game, so... You know, you flush that 38-3 loss away, whatever it was, and you come into a, a city where you knocked off the Eagles last year to uh, give them their first setback of the year. They were 8-0 last year. They were 3-0 this year, and the, and the commanders almost do it again, did it again. But they came in with a lot of confidence, knowing that they can play with this Eagles team. Football's any given Sunday. Uh, yep. We all like to forget that in the social media era. We just look at the box score and make fun of it and mock it and all that stuff on on Twitter and, and, and Facebook and all the other places. But – it's at any given Sunday, and Washington always it doesn't care. I don't care what the record is for the Eagles. I don't care what the record is for Washington. They always dogfight the Eagles, no matter what, no matter who's the coach, no matter who's quarterbacks for either side. Uh, and it's so funny to me how we always just seem to forget that. And it's not an excuse. It's not an excuse either to, for some of the miscues that the Eagles had yesterday. But I mean, come on, we've got we've gone through games where they've had Case Keenum at quarterback, Garrett Gilbert at quarterback. Uh, Colt McCoy at quarterback, Sam Howe. Uh, the list Carson goes on. Wentz. Don't forget Carson Wentz in that nine-sack statue performance he put well, up. Well, the Washington didn't try that game, man. I'm talking about some competitive games that, that were with the Eagles yeah. with Taylor Heineke. I mean, yeah. all these quarterbacks that are like, You're, why are the Eagles struggling with these guys? It just happens. Yeah. You know, Ron Rivera and company know this team very well, this Eagles team very well. It's a divisional opponent. I, I want to just chalk it up to that. But I also know that there's some things that, that need to improve if this team wants to be better going against these better teams later on. And Ed, I'm going to start off right away with this Redstone offense sucks still. Yeah, I mean, listen, the big part of that game was, uh, you know, their first and 10 at the 15-yard line, early fourth quarter, uh, still up 20, what was it, 21 to 17. And they run three hideous plays. I mean, a uh, you know, Dallas Goddard doesn't know the ball's coming. He was the hot receiver on a Washington blitz. He's not even looking for the ball, and Hurts throws it, and Goddard acts all surprised. Uh, and then second down, that QB draw just isn't working this year. Loses a yard, and then they run it on third and 11 with Kenny Gainwell, who fumbles the ball, and luckily Lane Johnson's there to fall on it. But that should have been a 28-17 Eagles lead. 
and maybe take the life out of the commanders. Instead, the Eagles kick a field goal, and the commanders are like, hey, man, it's only a one-touchdown game. And sure enough, Washington marches right down the field and ties it up at 24. I mean, that that se- sequence in the red zone was just horrendous, and they need to finish drives there. They didn't get in the red zone a lot on Sunday. They did their scoring from distance with the 59-yard throw to Brown, 28-yard throw to Brown. But they did cash the one. DeAndre Swift got the touchdown. But that second trip, they should have had another touchdown. First and 10 at the 15, you cannot settle for a field goal there. But the three plays that were dialed up were just they, – they did nothing. Left a lot to be desired. So, yeah, you're right. The red zone needs to get better, uh, and and I think it will. Um the only call I had a problem with was the Kenny Gainwell run. That made no sense on third down. That was playing for the field goal right there. You just waved the white flag and said, I don't think we're going to get this. Let's go ahead and just secure it so we can at least get a field goal out of this. Yeah, yeah you're playing for three on that on that call. That call specifically. The other two, Dallas Goddard pays attention. We're not having this conversation right now. The second, the quarterback draw, that draw play, that used to work nine times out of ten. I'm going to be honest with you. It really did. This year, it's just not. And yeah. I guess it's going to be the hard lesson right now, knowing that this is not working. This quarterback draws these these designed runs for Hurts, they're just not working this year. So uh, they may maybe they finally heard, learned that hard lesson on that second down. But that third down play was just playing for the vehicle. I mean, come on, you know you're not getting that. You're, yeah. you're bouncing outside with the outside counter with Kenny Gainwell. Like you're clearly playing for the vehicle in that in that sequence of events. So that that one call bothered me, not the whole entire. Uh, play calling of that drive because I think a lot of people are like I don't understand these calls but if Dallas Goddard pays attention we're not even having this conversation really so right. I, right. I, I I don't know I, I I just thought the Kenny Gamewell run was what a blunder by Brian Johnson because the red zone offense you know I've been one to say hey you know let's not always put the blame on the coach let's look at the player because a lot of Brian Johnson take a lot of flack for his play calling this year but red zone offense is 100% the play caller and he's got to be better in that area of the field. It's just not. This is not what it's supposed to be right now. At least with the the firepower the Eagles have on offense, they shouldn't have the struggles that they're having there either. But Ed, rolling into that a little bit more, I wanted to see if you noticed this too. I keep watching these games that the Eagles play. I would watch them the day after after the game happened, so I can my emotions are calmed down. I know what the outcome is. I can watch it with a clean uh, line of vision, and it just seems to me what defenses are doing to counter the Eagles this year. Is taking away the big chunk runs that Jalen Hurts can do, yeah. but also taking away Dallas Goddard. They're taking away. It seems like teams think that Dallas Goddard is Jalen Hurts' security net. Because I'm watching these linebackers that these Eagles play, they drop back so far ahead. These yeah. linebackers drop back so far, whether they're not just spying the quarterback to make sure he doesn't take off and get eight yards. They want to limit to him to at least three to four at max, but they're also providing support to the safeties by shadowing Dallas Goddard as well. It, it just seems like they're trying to take away Goddard and they're trying to take away the big chunk run plays and, and Jalen Hurts is not comfortable because of that. Is that a fair analyst? Yeah, probably, but the Eagles are still 4-0. I mean, defenses right. can do that and it hasn't worked. I mean, okay, yeah, we shut down Hurts. He's not running, but the Eagles win. Yeah, we shut down Goddard. He's not catching passes, but, but the Eagles win. I mean, that's how talented this team is that – you know, defenses, you know, they try to take away what they can, but there's so much that the Eagles have that they can go to if that kind of stuff is taken away. And the Eagles are still trying it to their credit, I think, to to keep trying to get the ball to Goddard, to keep trying to run Jalen Hurts. Uh, but defenses are taking it away. And yet 
it doesn't matter because the defenses are still losing in the long run. So, you know, let them try to take away whatever they want. Take away AJ Brown, then we'll get the then the Eagles offense can go to Goddard. Take away Smitty, and then the Eagles can go to to, to uh, Goddard. DeAndre Swift is running the ball just fine. You don't need Jalen Hurts to put himself in harm's way. And I'll say this too about Hurts: he doesn't seem to be running with that same reckless abandon that he did last year, and that's a good thing. Like he's not leading with his shoulder; he's getting down a little bit quicker. Uh, he's giving himself up a little bit quicker. He's not trying to be a hero by running the ball and getting those extra couple yards because that leads to injury. So, yeah, I'm I'm fine with it. You know, if they want to try to take away Hurts, let them. That's fine with me because the Eagles will beat you another way. And if they want to take away Goddard, good luck because the Eagles have another way to beat you. So that just shows you how talented they are that whatever the defenses are doing against Goddard and Hurts hasn't led to a win yet. Do you – I mean, because you think that shoulder injury in Chicago, the mental impact of that is still on Hertz's mind. Because if let's just like look, Jalen Hurts is a whole different player, at how he thinks of mindset wise. So this is probably a silly question. Everybody probably disagrees with it right off the bat. But let's just look at the aspects of it. If he doesn't hurt that shoulder in the back of his head, does he think that he plays a little bit better in the Super Bowl enough for them to win? It, you know, he probably wants to play a full season. He probably doesn't want to miss these couple right. of games that he's been missing either. So do you think that that little mental part is in the back of his head? Because I'm going to tell honestly yet, he's not comfortable running this year, and it's the clearest day, and you know it too. You see it yourself. I mean, this is not the same Jalen Hurts runner that we've been accustomed to. Yeah, I'm sure that he's heard that, you know, that he can't play a full season. I'm sure the coaches have emphasized, hey, you got you got to stay healthy. You know, live to fight another down. You know, it's hard for a player like him to to do that. You know, they want to get as much out of a play as they can. But, you know, live to, live for the season. Don't live in the moment. You know, you got to think long term. And, you know, yeah, I listen, if he's going to run like that, get 28 yards on nine carries, then that's just the way it's going to have to be. Maybe the Eagles could dial back the run a little bit. Uh, you know, uh, they, they really haven't done a whole lot of. Uh, RPO stuff, you know, uh, he hasn't, you haven't seen him kind of fake the handoff and sweep the edge, maybe a time or two he has, but they're spying him. Clearly they're taking him away. They don't want to beat him, him to beat them with his legs. Let's see him do it with his arm. And uh, he did it against Washington, 319 yards. So, you know, there's just so many different ways this team can beat you. And, you know, I'm glad that Hertz isn't running with this reckless abandon because I'd like to see him play 17 games. I'm sure he wants to play 17 games. And maybe he thought that, hey, maybe I could have won the Super Bowl if my shoulder was healthy. But, man, he still had a heck of a Super Bowl. I mean, I I don't know how much more he could have done except hold on to the football and not fumble it and give up a, a fumble return touchdown to the Chiefs there. But I don't think that had anything to do with the shoulder. Uh, I just think he wants to play 17 games. I, I think he wants to prove that, hey, you know, I, I can play all 17 and I can stay healthy. So that's kind of the approach I think he's taken this year. Hey, it was one of the, one of the best Super Bowl performances of all time. So I'm not, yeah. a little a little silly by me, but I'm just trying to think of what the difference is this year. Because, I mean, it, I know the defenses are obviously playing it, but it's even himself. Like he hesitates on these runs where he never would hesitate before. It's yeah. interesting. It's an interesting. I, yeah, I, I get it. Yeah. But, uh, you know, and maybe things will open up a little bit as the season goes on. Um, but well, I also think at the same time, I mean, all right, I could be wrong for this because I think his whole mindset and viewpoint of the team has completely changed since the Eagles' success with Jalen Hurts at quarterback. But I mean, let's not forget who the Eagles' owner is and what he likes the most. 
offense, yeah. He likes passing. Well, yeah, right. Yeah, passing, yeah. Um, I think he likes winning. <laughs> I think no. he likes winning, too. And I think he yeah. wins with Joe and Hurts. So that's why this I said is, I think I think yeah. his whole mindset on this is – I mean, I just remember back when, you know, Doug Peterson, the Chicago game, and he wasn't happy that they won the way that they did. He wanted more of an offensive explosion. But he's always seen like a, a passing type of owner. So, I mean, anyway, he likes winning. You're right. So, it is what it is there. But – yeah. I gotta tell you, Ed. I really need the I really need the Eagles to figure out. I know we talked about it last week bringing in a nickel corner, uh, and you brought up Chris Harris Jr. I also actually was looking into it this week and seeing some other names out there that might fit. And Bryce Callahan has experience with Sean Desai, but I mean, I think they need to bring it in immediately because James Bradbury is not comfortable there. It's it's clear as day that's just not his spot, and I don't think Job is ready. I think Job yeah. is. Is decent. I think Job is the guy is a perfect backup quarterback you want. If Slay goes down and Bradbury goes down, you know you have some some good insurance in Josh Joe. I don't I don't like how this is right now. I don't think Bradbury's comfortable in the slot. I think he's way better on the boundary. Yeah. I think they need to bring in a true nickel corner. And I think they need to just I mean, I don't want to say sooner rather than later because they have nothing but time. But I don't know. I just I thought that was one of like the the things that are standing out to me that are like I thought we're really messed up about the game is Jalen Hurts is uncomfortable running the ball. Clear as day. We see that now. This nickel spot is actually affecting the team more so than one because, like you always say, it's impacting two positions now more so than one. Uh, and that's really about it, though. I I thought it was a great game all around. Yeah. I You know, listen, I, I think Job is playing pretty well. I don't know what he grades out on, you know, and uh, – Given, given the circumstance, yes. Yeah, I given think the circumstances behind he's his starting pretty, pretty good. I mean, I think he's gotten better each week. And but that's Bradbury's job. I mean, you're right. He Job is the backup cornerback, and that's his job. And Bradbury is a all pro cornerback, and he should be on the outside. Now, listen, that's gonna be Sidney Brown's job. When he comes back from this hamstring tweak, which hopefully it'll be Sunday in LA. That's that's Sidney Brown's job. They're going to work him, and that they're still going to probably rotate Bradbury in to the slot, but he's not going to play as many slot snaps as he did against the Commanders. Um, but Sidney Brown's going to going to man that role, and they're going to roll with him and see how he does. And you know, he like I said last week, he told me he he's feels right at home at you know closer to the line of scrimmage and playing in the slot. So you know that's going to be the guy. Uh, until maybe they can swing a deal, like what you know, like I said last week, also that you, nobody wants to make a trade right now. It's October 1st, and most of the league is two and two, so you know, a lot of these teams feel like, hey, we can make a push. Um, so yeah, they no, might have to, they might have to call Chicago here soon. Sean Desai might yeah. have to tap into his resources back from there and say, well, that guy did because I'm going to say one thing if you're going to trade for a player at a trade deadline that's not a running back. Or it's not somebody that can, or or an edge rusher that you know they can just pick up the scheme like that because you're only asking them to do a certain role. Uh, they need to know the system. They need to have some kind of indication that they can come in and learn the system quick. And what better to do so than guys who have experience in Sean Desai's system, like yeah, a Jalen Johnson. I know he's not a nickel corner, but he's an outside corner. And if you keep wanting to do these matchup uh, predicated decisions with Bradbury and other these other guys, Jalen Johnson on last year of his rookie deal would be great addition. Or Eddie Jackson. Guy who can play safety and nickel. I know he's banged up right now, but still, that's 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 another guy. So I mean, you're right. It's too soon for trades, 
But when it comes down, I mean, it's only two. We're only two weeks out from trades really happening, though. Ed, to be honest with you, we're really two weeks out away from these conversations really start to ramp up a little bit. So right. if you're going to pluck anybody, you're going to call the Chicago Bears for Sean Desai has some ties. Which should give them time to decide if Sidney Brown's going to be the answer because I think he'll play this week. Um, I know they're fine as well on the field, regardless, though. I would, I would imagine. Yeah, but so I, you know, they have two weeks to see if Brown's the answer to see if he can give them, I don't know, 30, 35 snaps in the slot. Um, and then if not, then maybe start, you know, working the phones. They probably are working the phones to some degree to, you know, kind of lay the groundwork here, you know, how he's always talking to somebody. I mean, there's talk that they might try to go after Chase Claypool from the Bears. You know, he's been cast mm. away from the team because he's a, a an attitude problem, but you bring him into a team like this. You know, maybe he co- coalesces, you know, with A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith and Jalen Hurts kind of, you know, work in that room. Maybe Claypool. Uh, no, 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 yeah. no, no. Yeah. I like the thought. They're not getting anything from that third wide receiver spot. Now, I know Zacchaeus had a big third down catch in that game. But to me, they need to start. And, and Quez Watkins missed his second straight game with a hamstring. But they've, they're getting nothing from that spot, and they need to get something. I mean, eventually that's probably going to catch up to them. You, you can't just rely on two guys all season long. And no, I don't think Cleveland will be the guy. I, I saw the yeah. report too, but I don't know if I would want – I just uh, yeah. You know, when you're a championship-caliber team, you don't risk that type of attitude adding to your locker yeah. room. because They'd have to do their homework big time for a guy like Chase Claypool to come in here. I mean, Clay, the reason why Claypool's like this right now, Ed, is because he doesn't get the ball. He's not going to get the ball here. Right. I'm sorry, man. You're going to be the comes to a championship team. You wonder, okay, but you know Pittsburgh was good too when he was, you know, off the rails there too. Uh, but, I'm like, know, if you're right though, you're right. Maybe Claypool says, okay, I'll do whatever it takes to win a ring, and the Bears aren't doing that. Uh, Steelers, I don't know how close they were when he was there. Um, so I don't know. I mean, they'd certainly have to do their homework on him and talk to him and talk to the people around him and. You know, uh, before they would pull the trigger on that deal, but they they do need something. I mean, they're playing Britton Covey, great punt returner, but I'm not sure how good he is in the slot. I mean, he he played like six to eight snaps in the slot on Sunday. I didn't notice him get open or anything like that. I mean, and I like Britton Covey, but you know, you can't go uh, through a game with your third receiver catching one pass like yeah. Zacchaeus caught and two passes last week. I mean, you need. You need a little more help there. You can't rely on AJ on the slant, you know, for 175 yards every single game. Because, like we talked earlier, what if a team takes that away? You know, they're taking Goddard away. What if they decide, okay, we're gonna we're gonna really load up on AJ, and you know, and Devontae has a big game. But is that going to be enough? I mean, the two AJ and Devontae had great games. The two of them, Devontae had 78 yards. He made two huge plays in this game. You know, the 37 yard catch at the end of the first half takes them into field goal range and they kick, you know, Elliot kicks a field goal to pull them within 17, 10 as time expire. And by the way, that was the third straight game that Elliot has kicked a field goal as time expired on the first half. He did it against Minnesota, a 61 yarder. He did it against the, uh, the Vikings, a 38 yard. Or, uh, you think he's the, you think the, he's the Eagles most clutch player right now? Or do you think yeah, it's Devontae yeah. Smith? Well, I you think, think Hurts too. I mean, Hurts made some nice plays. I thought it's going to Jake Elliott. Between Jake Elliott and Devontae Smith, I've been debating this. Who's the Eagles' most clutch player? Because I'm not going to lie. Half these catches Devontae makes should be picks. 
I did. That, there, that thirty-seven not... yarder was just is his trademark. He goes up and he's able to hang there a little bit longer than the other guys. And then the second great play he made, or you know, probably under the radar, is it in the overtime? The Eagles get penalized for that ridiculous intentional grounding call where it looks like Brown just ran the wrong route and Hertz throws it into the end zone and they call intentional grounding. So that sets <laughs> him up back. That backs him up from the 34, which is field range, to the 45, third and forever. And Smith gets open across the middle on a nine-yard route, brings Jake Elliott nine yards closer. If he doesn't make that catch, that 54-yarder is a 63-yarder. I'm not even sure they're attempting it at that point. So that was a huge play in that game, Devontae Smith's nine-yard catch. Everybody's talking the 37-yarder, great play, end of the half. But that nine-yarder in overtime, that that basically helped Jake Elliott win that game. Once the Ravens wide receivers get healthy with Bateman, Beckham, all that, I call them up and ask them for Aguilar back. Yeah, I'm not sure Beck, Beckham's ever going to get healthy. I, I know, you're right. It's, uh, yeah, no. yeah, that was a little stretch there. I don't think yeah. – uh, plus, Bateman, Ravens have a ton of wide receiver really. injuries. I don't think they'll trade Aguilar. But I, I, a little hypothetical, I wouldn't mind having Aguilar back as a slot. I like it. I like the thought. Yeah, I mean, it's cheap. Nice, and it doesn't know the system per se, but I mean, chief, a nice option. I, I have the guys yelling for uh, the guy that was catching babies saying, uh, I was catching on my, on my Aguilar, have that back again. Yeah, I'm <laughs> sure fans that are listening to this are going to be like, What Aguilar? No way, we don't. Want I think, Aguilar. I think he's a great slot. I think it, the problem is when you don't have an AJ Brown, Devontae Smith to compliment or, or Alshon Jeffrey Zacharis to compliment him, that's where you have problems. Yeah, we ask him to be the guy. Yeah, you're gonna have problems. We ask him to be like the fifth guy, the fourth guy. No, that's fine. He ever he's fine. I what about Jalen Rager? That. What about Jalen Rager? He's All right, now you're getting ridiculous. I think he's <laughs> he's on a practice squad. I think. he was one of Super Bowl Nelson Aguilar folks, and he had nine touchdowns that year. Let's not forget. Right, and he had a big game in that Super Bowl. He caught a yeah. lot of passes. I would have minded. Uh, you know, listen, I, I, Rager's not coming back. I get it, but yeah, no, uh, you know, they they. Do need help at that slot. I mean, if Quez is going to limp through the season with a hamstring, then they're going to need help somewhere. And even if Quez comes back, maybe that's where they go. You know, maybe that's a position. They could. Even they though, could. like you said, slot, that's a good place to look for sure. That's a need. If Sidney Brown isn't the answer, that's probably your top slot player. is an emergency need. Yeah. It's not just a need. It's an emergency need. They, yeah. they live or die by the defensive line, but they also live or die by – the corner's holding up. I gotta ask you, man. I was up a dying to ask you. We're gonna get into this and then we're gonna talk about Nicholas Morrow because we have to. Yeah. This question for you right now, because I need some answers. I don't know why I don't get some solid answers. I don't even think you guys get solid answers on this. Why the hell do they play soft zone coverage so much? They just give up so much stuff underneath. It's it's it, you're putting your defensive. It's so funny. I watch the defensive line get home all the time. And people are like, "Where's the sacks? Where's that sacks?" Of course, there's no sacks. The underneath is naked. These guys are completely. The the opponents are so completely naked underneath. It puts Dar, people keep asking me if Darius Slay's cooked. Darius Slay's not cooked. He's playing eight yards off a guy that's getting the ball four yards deep and making yak out of it because Slay's in an awful position to get him. Well, it comes down to not wanting to give up the explosive plays. They'd rather give up that underneath stuff. It, was it makes same- no sense on these third and th- these third and mediums, these third and sevens yeah. that they're playing. I don't know. Like it just seems like surrender. With Gannon, and everybody thought it would change with the side. But that's- that is Nick Sirianni's philosophy. That's his core philosophy is 
we're not going to get beat. We're not going to give up an explosive play. We're not going to give up a 55-yard touchdown pass. That's why I can't really come at Sean Desai for because it's not him. It's I mean, right. it's, it's a it's a Vic Vango staple, but it's also not also just a Vic Vango staple. It's so many defensive coordinators do this stuff. It's Jim Swartz. And I Sirianni mean, does not want to give up the explosive. So that's his philosophy. So he's bringing in guys that – cater to that philosophy that's that's really as simple as that they'll give up the underneath stuff and make a team drive 14 plays like the commanders did well these passing stats that these quarterbacks have that people just like to throw in eagles fans faces are just so skewed because these guys are taking what the defenses are getting them and they're getting some noticeable yak out of it too because they're not making them the initial tackles are not being made which is also hurting them Right. And in fairness to them, too, is their defense hasn't been the same defense since week one. I mean, they've been. No, that's know, they, why I feel like that's a problem, though, when you're asking these guys to, and you're putting them on these islands. In zone coverage, because I, I at this point in Slay's career, he should be jamming you at the line of scrimmage. Just my opinion. He should yeah. be physical and in your face and jamming you at the line of scrimmage and daring you to beat him when he's glued to you like that. Yeah. You put them in unfair advantage, and you're also putting these safeties who have no idea what's going on because they're still trying to pick up chemistry together and pick up communication at a disadvantage too. Because when you're playing zone, you're 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 expecting to have help on a certain side of the field where these guys aren't always are at because communication's not always there. So I don't know. It just to me, it's just a disadvantage that they're doing this to themselves. Yeah, that's unfortunately their philosophy, and that's probably not going to change a whole lot. I mean, oh, not at all. You know, you'd like to see maybe at some point playing a little tighter underneath, especially like you said, on the third mediums, you know, bring that defense up a little bit closer to the line and make them earn it. Um, But, you know, they got hurt a lot yesterday too on those long runs from how, you know, they're, you know, they're, they're so deep in their coverage and worried about getting beat over their head that the quarterback's able to, you know, set sail for, you know, 15 yard runs on third and long and pick up first down. So, you know, that's another thing they need to keep an eye on. Uh, I'm not sure how, mobile Matt Stafford's going to be out there in LA this week. He might not play. He might yeah, not he play. He's got the hip pointer. Yeah. So even if he plays, he's not going anywhere. Right. Um, so they're going to probably try to get the ball out fast. So yeah, the Eagles decide should bring that defense up a little closer. And, you know, if you get beat over the top, well, all right, I guess, you know, Sirianni won't be happy because he doesn't want to get beat over the top like that, but you know, it's a trade-off and right now. They're I would dare the Rams too. Play. I mean, your yeah. deep threats, Tutu Atwell, who's having a good year so far. But I mean, uh, if Tutu Atwell is keeping you up at night, then you have a problem. Yeah. I mean, they have this, this the Poca Nutra guy over there in, in the Rams. I probably butchered his name, but he's he's destroying the league right now. And a lot of it's because he Stafford's throwing to him the same way he would throw to Cup when defenses are allowing him to do so and, and getting the yak. So, I mean, I, you know, I just. Yeah, I was thinking about that guy, Polka. Whatever. Yeah, I don't know how to say. I, I probably butchered his name, but I mean, I, he's really good. He's really, I, really good. But I wonder if he's like, a, remember Travis Fulgham, how he had this great stretch, five games, six games. Yeah, I don't know, man. He fell off. I don't know if Puka will do that or Matt he, Stafford makes wide receivers. Makes yeah. wide receivers very good. He's one of the most underrated quarterbacks in my opinion of all time, and yeah. he he knows how to make a wide receiver because Cooper Cup was great. But I mean, Cooper Cup was good, but when he got Matthew Stafford, he became great. Uh, yeah. And. I, I think this guy's is an, I don't want to say he's a product of Stafford, but I think he's uh found the right system and found the right quarterback to maximize his skill set, like which everybody that's the NFL for you right there. Yeah. It could be though, it could be a full situation. I don't know, but I, I think the he's gonna give the Eagles fits if they give him enough uh zone coverage to work with all this room because that's what that's what he's feasting on right now. 
Yeah, I'm not. That's I'm why not he's full. It's just when I was thinking, man, this is a great five game stretch or four game stretch, and then it got me thinking, you know, the Eagles had a guy like that who had this great four game run, and now you know they've moved so far past Travis Fulgham and you know some of these other receivers that they tried with Brown and Smith. I mean, it's just this is the best receiving core of the Eagles. You know, one two receiving core of the Eagles probably have ever I've had. ever had ever had period yeah ever yeah. had period without yeah. a doubt without a doubt. Um, now I. When I again for a disclaimer for the pod for everybody listening, please turn on NFL Red Zone. Please turn on other games. Take some time to notice what defenses call. Soft zone coverage is a normalcy in the NFL. I just don't understand it in the situational aspect that the Eagles use it in. Where I, it just it's confusing. It is. It doesn't make sense. You're you're begging these guys to take what the defense is giving you. And to pick up those extra yards, and they usually do convert on those third downs because of that. And I think it's just aggravating. So I just wanted to expand on that a little bit more. But uh, let's end the show talking about Nicholas Morrow. I mean, uh, look, Zach Cunningham is replaceable for sure. Because I think there's, I think the conversation is starting with how do you take Morrow off the field now? I mean, it lights out. I mean, this guy, you can't take him off the field. So when Nicobe Dean's back at some point, and you know Nicobe Dean's your future, maybe Zach Cunningham's the one that has to take the sacrifice here because at this point you can't take Morrow off the field yeah I mean three sacks I mean the the dude had four sacks in 81 career games and he comes into one game and you know and say this about the Simon he's blitzing his linebackers you know he's blitzing I, know. I brought that up too I said this is not John DeGan defense anymore folks I know you guys like to harp on that with the soft zone and what's going on with these quarterback stats but they're blitzing linebackers they're blitzing they're yeah. blitzing period yeah, they're blitzing, and Morrow got home three times yesterday, and uh, what a great performance. And then you could go back to the Tampa game on the safety. If you watch that, I mean, right. you know, the D-line blows it up, but Morrow didn't go wins with his into that hole with his shoulders square. He kind of turned sideways and got skinny to get through that hole, and when he did, then he squared up and was able to, to make that tackle in the end zone for the safety. I mean, really – everybody's going to say, well, if he's that good, why was he on the practice? Why, why did he get cut? Um, there's a lot of reasons for that. You know, the Eagles are building a roster and they knew they could get him to the practice squad. And, you know, listen, maybe that lit a fire under Mike uh, Nicholas Morrow. Um, because yeah, the Eagles didn't even know he was this good. They wouldn't have done it. Well, it may be. Um, but again, the, the, when they're looking at the construction of your roster and they're going light at linebacker, that was, you know, he was the guy they cut. So well, let's be honest. The league doesn't even know he's this good. Because he was able to get to a practice squad. Right. So I mean, he led the Bears, a bad Bears team in tackles last year. So he does have the tackling resume. But, I mean, to go in there to show that kind of, uh, you know, instinct to sack a quarterback three times on a blitz, I mean, that that's pretty phenomenal. I can't remember the last time a player had three six. Probably Hassan Reddick had three last year. Um, Will but, Mack had six versus the Chargers. I mean, versus the Raiders. Yeah. I, that I is mean, insane. I couldn't believe Morrow's like, you know, a linebacker. I mean, what was right, the, right, right. I guess Mac is technically a linebacker. I don't no, know. No, no, no. It's a completely different position. You're right. It's, yeah. It, it, I, we're talking about a guy that's manning the middle of the field that's running up these linebacker blitz gaps. Like, it's it's insane. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Nick Morrow, you know, the player of the week is going to come out on Wednesday. And Eagles certainly have candidates. FedEx player of the week, uh, offensive uh, air, air, FedEx air, as Jalen Hurts is, uh, is in the running for that. But he could be your offensive player of the week in the NFC. Certainly, Jake Elliott probably will be the special teams. And 
they don't like to give two players from the same team that award. But Nick Morrow could be in that in that breath. He had eleven tackles as well. Mm-hmm. He could be the defensive player of the week. I mean, he he's good against the run too. He stuffs it out. He, he's not he that is. quick. He is. And you know, Zach Cunningham had thirteen tackles yesterday. He he got called for a phantom hold on the Washington's <laughs> first drive. I mean, I, I don't know where that hold. I read came. your article and I was like, he's he what he, what he said about the refs are perfect in here. These refs are just they have no idea what they're doing, man. They need to go back to training. I I get. I mean. Ronald Torbert's crew is notoriously a flag happy crew. I mean, we knew coming in when we saw who it was going to be, we're saying in the press box, there's going to be a lot of penalties because this guy likes his crew likes to throw flags. And they did. I mean, there was 18 penalties accepted, probably another half a dozen that were declined. There was over 20 penalties called in that game. The Eagles were the fifth fewest team in penalties coming into the game. And yet, you know, somehow this crew found 11 uh, Landon Dickerson being called offsides on that tush push when Cameron Payne's hand is on the football is yeah. hilarious. Yeah. Only four times has an offensive player been called offsides in two years. That was the fourth player to be called on, on an offside wow. on the offense in four years. So that, that shows you how rare it is uh, in two years, I should say. But yeah, uh, you know, it was curious. It was a questionable call. I mean, there was just so many questionable calls but yeah again the Nick Sirianni are... accepting that illegal formation penalty too was peculiar yeah, yeah I don't know I just thought that intentional grounding call was bogus yeah that yeah. made no sense if the ball's going towards the end zone like that yeah it, it's a live ball that could be picked I don't understand intentional grounding there either that, that made no sense yeah, but but listen, the Eagles overcame it. And I'll tell you this is what I like about the Eagles. Cam Jurgens might not play. Nick Sirianni said on Monday he's going to be week to week, which that's never a good prognosis when Sirianni says that. Yeah. So then you got Sua Opeta who's going to line up at the right guard, and Aaron Donald's going to be a handful for anybody, no matter who it is there, Jurgens or Opeta. But, you know, the Eagles are winning while injuries are mounting. And this is something they didn't have to deal with last year. So it's a testament to their depth. You know, they lost the Maddox. They lost McPherson. They lost N'Kobe Dean for four games. You know, they played without Reed Blankenship for a game because of ribs. They played without Justin Evans. They, You know, they, uh, injuries up and down on the defense. And yet they're 4-0. And they haven't played their best game. I mean, that, that's exciting to me. I mean, right. you want to be playing your best ball in November and December. Well, that's what AJ Brown said. So I'm not going to lie. AJ yeah. Brown kind of shut me up a little bit because I was, I'm not going to, I wasn't well about that game because I'm like, it's Washington. For some reason, we just always dogfight with them. They know us incredibly well. I'm just going to chop it up to that. Just glad that we won. But AJ Brown said the same thing immediately when he came out of the press. He goes, I don't want to be playing our best football right now. That would be a bad thing. Right. And Sirianni said it. And listen, I, Washington came in with a lot of confidence because they won here last year when the Eagles were 8-0. You know, they were the speed bump. They came in here knowing they can play with this team. They came in here even more motivated because they got waxed by Buffalo in a game really that doesn't mean anything. It's an AFC, a game against an AFC opponent. You know, it, it, they wanted to put that behind them, and they're jumping into the NFC East. I mean, that I knew it was going to be a tough game, and anybody who thinks the Eagles should have blown them out, I mean, they're just not – Pay attention to the recent history. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I like that the Eagles are overcoming these injuries. They're overcoming adversities. They're winning in different ways. They got the best kicker in the league. You know, I thought Justin Tucker probably is the best kicker in the league for the Ravens, but I'm starting to think Elliott might be giving him a run for his money because the guy just doesn't miss. I mean, I know he's missed a PAT. It was in the wind and the rain. He's missed the clutch kicks. I I can't remember a time where I, when I knew that the game, required Jake Elliott to make this kick where he missed it. Mm-hmm. 
I can't think of a time. It's got we're going we're probably going back to 2018 because that's when the questions were like, "Whoa, we paid Jake Elliott and he's missed these kicks right. now. What's going on?" But uh, other than that, I haven't. It hasn't been since then where you think we really need this kick. We really need this kick, and he misses it. It just hasn't happened. Yeah, but you know, getting back to Nick Morrow, I mean, the guy is going to be hard to take off the field when the Kobe comes back. I've seen the Kobe in the locker room. He seems to be walking fine. He doesn't have the walking boot on when when we see him in the locker room. So, you know, he's got to sit out two more games and chances are he's probably going to be ready to come back after what's two more games for that home game against the Dolphins on October 22nd. Um, but we'll see. I mean, and then what? You know, Mara's going to be a hard guy to take off the field because he is playing well enough to continue to get the snaps. See how it goes. We'll see how it goes for sure. All right, guys, we'll be back later in the week. We're going to discuss, uh, we're going to give a little game preview into the uh, upcoming game against the Rams a little bit more into detail later in the week. I thank you guys for all for tuning in and uh, go birds. Thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube. You know, when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks. That's what our podcast. People are the worst brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.